Welcome to Mayfield Baptist Church. We are very excited to have you with us here. We do encourage you to follow us on our social media, which you can access through our website at mayfieldbaptist.com. Please feel free to like and subscribe to this podcast to keep you up to date with our latest messages. We do hope you enjoy this recent message from NBC, that it may help you connect to God, grow in your faith and serve in your own context. Am I on? Yep. Pretty heavy song, isn't it? So how is your life? Is it all good and rosy? Does it look dandy? Things going swimmingly? No problems here. Are we having it tough or is someone having it tough? Who's willing to say life's crap? Did you hear the words to the song? Lie number one, you're supposed to have it all together. And when they ask you how you're doing, just smile and tell them, never better. Line number two, everyone's life is perfect except yours. So keep your messes and your wounds and your secrets safe with you behind closed doors. We're saved by Jesus. We're child, children of God. So everything's supposed to be good now, isn't it? Something's wrong with me if it's not. Everyone else is doing fine. Everyone else is living the life God intended for them. Deep down we know that's not true. That sometimes life just sucks. Did you know that surveys are showing that even though we're all connected through the internet and Facebook and Twitter and all those other little TikTok and some of those other things that I'm not connected on, that more and more people are feeling isolated and lonely. And I think there's an inverse. The more friends you have on Facebook, the more likely you are to be lonely. I have less than 100. So life is not all sunshine and lollipops. We all have things we struggle with or pain that we hold closely, things we don't want others to know and we hide. The chorus said, I say I'm fine, yeah, I'm fine, oh, I'm fine, yeah, I'm fine. But I'm not, I'm broken. When it's out of control, I say it's under control. But it's not, and you know it. I don't know why it's so hard to admit it. When being honest is the only way to fix it, there's no failure, no fall, there's no sin you don't already know. So let the truth be told. Today we're starting a series going through January, real life, real faith, Real people, real stories. God in our everyday lives. Various people will be talking about their journeys with God over the next few months, giving their stories, their ups, their downs, and how God was there through the hard times and through the good times, sometimes working in the background without us even knowing it. With our friends and our family, our work colleagues and associates, we like to present that everything is rosy. Facebook has made it worse in many ways. We doctor our photos. We edit our stories to create untrue images of a great life that we're leading, which in turn makes others feel that their life's not so good. 
So then they doctor their images, they doctor their stories, and the cycle rolls on. Great life in our stories and the telling, but miserable and lonely in reality. In church, we fall into this trap as well, don't we? We're supposed to have it all together. God has fixed us through Jesus. And when they ask how you're doing, we just smile and tell them, never better. If Jesus died for me, why am I struggling? Why are things so hard? Is there something wrong with me? Have I missed something? So I couldn't resist this next one. So I smile and wave. Smile and wave, smile and wave. Everything is okay. We hide the pain and the struggle because we think we must. Because we think we must be doing something wrong. Or are we even saved? But this is the family of God. There should be no safer place to be honest, to be real, as we walk this new journey with Jesus. And the Bible is honest. We just have to look at some of the people from the Bible. Elijah in 1 Kings says, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I am not better than my ancestors. And Jeremiah, cursed be the day I was born. Why did I ever come out of the womb to see trouble and sorrow and to end my days in shame? And if you've ever read Job, I don't think I need to go into much depth there. But even someone described as a man after God's own heart, David, in Psalm 22 says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. That feeling that our prayers are just bouncing off the ceiling. In Psalm 13, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will, I, will my enemy triumph over me? Look, out, look on me and answer me, Lord my God. And there's heaps more Psalms like that. Even David, a man who followed God's heart, had his bad times. His times of feeling alone and ignored by God. Why should we be any different? How open and honest can we be with each other and with God sometimes? When we're down or depressed, when life's not going well. Or well, here is another one which we often struggle with, which can be a bit of a taboo, being angry at God. David again in Psalm 64. Hear me, my God, as I voice my complaint. Protect my life from the threat of the enemy. Hide me from the conspiracy of the wicked, from the plots of evildoers. The Psalms is full of complaints to God. As if he's not doing something he's supposed to be doing. And Jeremiah again. You are always righteous, Lord, when I bring a case before you. Yet I would speak with you about your justice. Why do the ways of the wicked prosper? Why do all the faithless live at ease? 
Why do I struggle when other people who don't even acknowledge you as Lord don't? I'm doing all the right things. I'm following you, but life is not turning out the way I wanted it to. Life is hard. It's not hard for them. What's wrong with me? God doesn't promise to save us from life. Things will happen, good and bad. The world is still broken. We are still broken. What he does promise is he will be there. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. From Isaiah, do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And again from Isaiah, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. And Paul in Philippians goes, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thankfulness, present your request to God, and, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Through anything that will come our way, he has promised to be there. Even when we don't see him, even when we don't feel him, even when we don't hear him. His promise is not to leave. So over the next few weeks, we're going to hear the stories from people as they found that God did not leave. Stories about God turning up, not abandoning, working in the background through the good and the bad. So I thought I couldn't ask other people to do it without me starting off. So I'm going to start off the ball rolling with one of my stories. I grew up here. Even worse than that, I'm fourth generation here. I won't talk about the baggage that comes with that. In my late 20s, I had a crisis of faith. I asked God to do something for me. I asked him to heal me of a thing called eczema, which is, if you don't know what that is, it's the itch that can never be scratched. You will understand if you've got it. I would scratch till I bled, and then more. As you would imagine, this was slightly irritating at its best and completely distracting at its worst. I'd seen the stories. I'd, been, I'd spoken to people who got it healed miraculously. So I thought I was a good boy. I was being faithful, trying to live the way I'd been taught, following Jesus, etc., etc. So I asked, God, heal me. And nothing happened. I got angry at God. Why would he not take this away from me when it was such an annoyance and so painful sometimes? Wasn't I good enough? Was I important enough? I didn't count? No healing. I saw it as rejection. But as time went by, it actually revealed a deeper issue. I had learnt how to have a relationship with God, how to know about God by growing up in this church. But it had never made a deep, deep connection with me, my faith. So in my late 20s, I disengaged. I knew there was still a God, but I didn't know how to relate to God. 
my faith ground to a halt. Still came to church, was still even in a Bible study group because that was my community, that was my family. But there was nothing going on inside. Praying and reading the Bible did nothing, so my faith had stalled. Hindsight's great, isn't it? It's when you're down the track you understand what was going on and why. What was happening was God wanted to reduce my understanding of him to a level which had to start from scratch and take me on a different faith journey, which was very different to what I'd grown up with. So I spent a few years in this no man's land and God grabbed my attention again through my love of history and you're not going to believe this, some people do know it, through bagpipes. He showed me a group of Christians from the early history of Ireland, Scotland and Wales and their lives excited me. They engaged me. They took me on a path very different to the one I'd learnt as I was growing up. But it clicked on a really deep level. It scared me because it was so different to what I'd grown up with. But each time I began to think this might not be the right way to go, this isn't how it's done, two things would happen. And this was God working in the background. Someone from this church would encourage me to keep going. And a verse from Jeremiah would randomly pop up in some very unusual places. One was a night where I was at a, I can't remember what it was now, probably not old enough for Billy Graham, Bill Newman, or a crusade anyway. And this verse, just out of the blue, got read out from the, pulpit, from the platform. And it's from Jeremiah 6.16. And God brought this voice up again and again and again, every time I hit a wall. And it says, Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient path. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your soul. Every time I hit a crisis of do I continue, God brought this in somehow, from somewhere, completely random. The Irish had a saying about God's love for us. They called him the hound of heaven constantly pursuing those he loves and those he wants, never giving up and there's no escape. All those years ago, when he said no to my prayer, I now understand that he did that to shatter my understanding of him so that he could then rebuild my faith, a faith that is deeper and stronger and to get me to do things I never would have even considered without it, primary one of those being me standing here right now. Those who remember me as a little boy could remember this guy that used to hide in the shadows and was quite shy and did not want to get up the front. The mystics have a name for this, Christian mystics. It's called the dark night of the soul. When God takes us through a hard, dark time, to build and create something stronger and bigger and brighter in us. That was around 30 years ago now. I still have ups and downs, but my awareness and connection 
of God and with God is much, much deeper because of that shattering that he happened back then in the early 90s. God works in the background sometimes when we don't even know it's happening. In circumstances where we don't think we're going to move forward, in circumstances where we can't see the light into the future. I'm going to share a, a more recent story. We left this church in 2012 to plant a church in Jesmond. And we bought a house, sold our farm that we lived on, where we raised all our kids, which was a big step for us. The church plant went for nearly 10 years, and at the end of that, we thought, this house no longer fits our needs. We need to move. So this happened at the very beginning of the pandemic. <laughs> so we started looking for a house. We bought a little place in Shortland, which we thought we could renovate or tear down and rebuild. But every time we tried to do something, something happened and we couldn't do it. And it just constantly got quite frustrating. Got to the point where the final straw was we couldn't build because of the bushfire stuff. And I said to God, I've had enough of this. You need to find us a house. That weekend, we found our house. We went. We said, this covers everything we want in a house. It was an auction, so that was quite scary. But again, God was there because we were the only ones at the auction. The real estate people outnumbered us. And so we got to negotiate directly with them in the end. And now we're in our house, and it's great, and it's a gift from God. God can work even when we don't think he's working. So through January, we'll have other people getting up and telling their stories. Next week, it's a women's week. It's all going to be women that will be telling their stories. How God has been there in their everyday lives during the exceptional times, sometimes in the mundane times, in the sad times, in the times of great joy as well. But the overall story is that God is always running through our story. In some way, giving glory to him and building his kingdom. And from Romans 8. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Trust that God will always be in your story, even when you can't see him, feel him, or hear him. Let's pray. Father, how much do we trust you? You have promised never to leave us. Sometimes we find it hard to hold on to that promise. Constantly remind us that even when we can't see, hear, or feel you, that you are there, because you are the God of the universe who does not break his promises. Amen.